You're listening to the Charge Forward audio blog by Chargebacks 911, bringing you the latest in payments and fraud. To learn more about how Chargebacks 911 can help you reduce chargebacks and recover revenue lost to fraud, visit us online at chargebacks911.com. This episode is a replay of a webinar entitled That's a Wrap Year in Review, featuring our COO, Monica Eaton Cardone. Hello, and welcome to today's webinar entitled That's a Wrap, Top Chargeback Lessons from 2017. My name is DJ Murphy. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of CardNotPresent.com, and I really wanted to thank all of you who are on the line with us for joining us today. I know this is an insanely busy time of year for many of you. Uh, that speaks to just how big a problem chargebacks are for e-commerce merchants, and it really corroborates a lot of what I hear firsthand from them, mainly that they are really thirsty for good information on chargebacks, and we want to provide that today for you. We have a really, really great presentation today. I'm very excited to hear it. Uh, it's going to touch on a lot of the trends we saw in 2017 that have affected your chargeback situation and some really big, important changes that are coming up soon that everyone needs to know about uh, to manage their chargebacks in the coming year. So I'm going to introduce our panel today. With us today, we have Monica Eaton-Cardone. Monica is the CEO of Chargebacks 911. We also have Carolyn Sweeney. Carolyn is uh, from the Chargeback Company, which is the European arm of Chargeback 911. And we also have uh, Diana. Uh, before the uh, call, Diana told me not to even take a stab at her last name, so I will honor that request. And uh, uh, Diana is going to come in at the end, and she's going to be available to offer her experience uh, in the question and answer part of our event. So I am going to throw it over to Monica right now, and uh, please be aware that if you uh, miss any of this presentation, it, it is being recorded and uh, will be available on cardnotpresent.com as well as Chargeback, Chargeback 911's website as well. So, Monica, uh, take it away. Great. Well, thank you, DJ, and it's great to be here. I'm definitely talking about one of our favorite subjects. Um, so let's go over the learning objectives for this session. Will be We're going to tackle some chargeback misconceptions identify trends and sources, go over the current fraud trajectory that, we are, that we've learned from the past few years, and more importantly, what we can anticipate. Also, talk about some best fraud and chargeback tips. And then we're going to leave as much time as possible to have an open forum for Q&A so that you can get expert advice, both from Diana and Carolyn. So first, let's talk about chargebacks. So many people would say that chargebacks are actually the opposite of a present. And let's look at why. First, we know there's a primary challenge. We have messy operations, chaotic finance. Um, it continues to increase. And one of the reasons why it continues to increase and this chargeback problem just gets out of control is because with our, with our effort of trying to make the payment process even more frictionless, sometimes a side effect is that we end up creating loopholes for more chargebacks. So the typical chargeback experience for many merchants, especially if you're venturing into online areas, um, global environments, and coupled with all sorts of new technologies and devices, you start running on this treadmill. And you have all of this data that's going on, but you don't really know what that data is. This data is usually chargeback records. And it's coded, and it has all sorts of technical details, and rules change, et cetera. And it becomes a ticking time bomb. And before you know it, you're overwhelmed with paperwork, manual processes, 
and you just find yourself running in any direction to get away from it. Now, we all know that chargebacks seem like the opposite of presence. However, I would say they're very much like presence. The thing is, you just have to unwrap the layers to really get down to the good stuff. So, the first layer, chargebacks are just the cost of doing business. This is also a misconception, but you really have to peel back that, just like when you get a present, and we've all gone through this at Christmas, where it's this massive box, and then you unwrap that paper to find a smaller box, and then a smaller box, and then a smaller box. And then you may actually find that engagement ring <laughs> or the most cherished you know, jewel. But first, what needs to happen is you need to dispel any of these misconceptions or layers. So if we look at chargebacks as being a cost of doing business, we're not going to be motivated to unwrap the rest of the layers. Instead, we need to look at, you know, chargebacks is actually an increasing cost. It's not just $100 in chargebacks. It doesn't just cost you as a merchant $100. It's adding risk. It's costing merchandise. And the total cost to a merchant is actually estimated around 308 so $3 for every $1 in chargebacks. Definitely something that you shouldn't be ignoring. The second layer, the, the misconception that all chargebacks are created equal. So if you look at chargebacks, many times this is synonymous with the term fraud. And even though a lot of chargebacks are coded as fraud, the fact of the matter is they're really not created equal. And speaking of fraud, when you really drill down into reason codes or a, a, a technical code that is, that is, is a, an attribute of every single chargeback record, then it would seem, especially if you are in Card Not Present or you have an e-commerce site, that fraud is your biggest and most important problem. But this is another misconception. And as we peel the layers back, then you find, wait a second, it may what, what appears to be fraud may not really be fraud. And this is where you really have to drill down and learn about chargebacks to identify the source. Now, there's three real sources of chargebacks. So you have criminal fraud, in which case the criminal steals something from a consumer. This would be like a merchant scam uh, or uh, credit card theft, et cetera. Then you have a merchant error. And we can say that this is where the merchant steals from a consumer, but generally it is not intentional. You forgot to ship the product. There was a problem with your customer service. The phone number was, was wrong. There was some issue. And accidentally you created a chargeback. Or friendly fraud also called first, pro, first pro, party fraud. This is when the consumer effectively steals from the merchant. Again, this may not be intentional. For example, the customer buys some, uh, some merchandise, maybe a pair of jeans, and the jeans don't fit. We forget to return it, and I can say this for myself. Women are absolutely notorious for this. And then after a while, you want to get your money back, and so you contact your bank, and little do you know, you get that refund thinking that it came from the merchant. Well, well, actually, that created a chargeback, so you do it again. So it's really important when you take a look at all of your chargebacks, just like that slide, it shows all apples. You drill into it, and then you start to realize, oh my gosh, my biggest problem is fraud. But then you do all these things to fix fraud, but your fraud doesn't really go away. Well, that's because you probably haven't drilled down far enough to find out what type of fraud. You have to peel that layer back again to, to see where is the, the right source so that you can match a solution with, with the actual problem. 
So another layer, chargebacks are only growing, not changing. So this is not true. We know that we have all of this technology evolution that is going on. We have expansive borders. There, there's no longer a store that is online that only sells to one local region. As mi the minute that you're online, you're connected to everyone in the globe. So, and all of this with technology and consumer behavior that's changing as well, what's happening is the world of chargebacks are not just growing, but they're changing. And what used to look like a chargeback and act like a chargeback and it was a chargeback continues to morph. And unless you can identify these, then the patterns are very, very difficult to identify or to anticipate. Here's another layer. Credit card usage is diminishing. So specifically in Europe, there's, there's so many different payment methods. There's payment methods that are coming out everywhere. We have Bitcoin, we have all sorts of um, different methods and strategies that help remove friction and provide even more options for cardholders and consumers today. But the fact is, credit card usage is still continuing to increase. And, and this is why. Card absent transaction rates are growing because of e-commerce. More and more retailers that traditionally oper operate a, a brick and mortar store, I like to call it from bricks to clicks, it's a movement. They're moving online. The, Amazon has created tremendous disruption in the retail environment and consumers are spending more and more of their transaction or their buying power is devoted to online, um, online, online goods and services. In fact, in the U.S. alone, consumers are spending 20% more annually despite earning less. Now we all hear about credit crunches and all of these different you know, doom and gloom statistics. Unfortunately, the way that the credit model works, if you use a credit card to purchase a product online, that also gives you an insurance policy through the chargeback mechanism. It should be strictly a plus point and a benefit for the industry. But when it comes to chargebacks, if you don't manage these problems correctly, it can actually become your very worst nightmare. <laughs> and in fact, 40% of consumers that get away with filing a chargeback that's not really legitimate are proven to do it again within 90 days. So here's another misconception or layer. Chargebacks are out of my control. So after someone files a chargeback, they're nine times more likely to file another. And as little as 18% of chargebacks are being filed by cardholders or customers that, that actually did contact the merchant, which means that over 80% of those customers actually didn't contact you. You can get control of the chargebacks. You just have to understand what the source is and then get all of the relevant data around it so that you can make the best decisions. Also, current consumer habits are leading to more chargebacks being filed as an attempt to get a quick refund. Unfortunately, it's a bad habit. It's like a donut. You start out eating donuts, you continue eating donuts, and if you have absolutely no consequence for eating donuts, why should you eat any other condiment for breakfast? Donuts taste better than bacon and eggs. <laughs> All right, another layer, someone else will fix the problem. So there's a thought in the industry sometimes when it comes to chargebacks that we don't really need to focus on this because this is an industry problem. It's in the payment industry. We need to focus on other things if we're a merchant. Well, the fact is, if you're a merchant, you have to defend yourself. 
you have to get on the offense. You need to take more responsibility. Someone else won't fix the problem. And in fact, looking at a recent Google search, I was just checking, if I look for any customer who's been prosecuted for committing chargeback fraud, there wasn't any results. So it's really, it's really up to merchants, to us, to, to, to provide that feedback and make sure that there's consequences. Unfortunately, we don't have the best policing facility that's helping us curb this chargeback problem. And this leads me to another. There's no solution to friendly fraud. This is one of the top misconceptions. So friendly fraud can be absolutely, it, it can be combated by helping to discourage the behavior. So for example, use delivery confirmations. Make sure that every customer that purchases from you has no excuse of not uh, to, to say that they didn't know that their product was arriving. Make sure that you get a confirmation that it was getting delivered. Send them that email, stay in communication, follow up with the consumer to make sure that they are satisfied and they have quality. This doesn't have to be a downfall. We, even though they're purchasing something online and it's this faceless transaction, that human element can help discourage chargebacks. Also, secure activation codes in the cloud. Um, if you have digital goods, this is a way that you can also establish a type of, of delivery confirmation if you don't ship tangible products. And lastly, get professional help if needed. You can survey your customers. You can get more data. At the end of the day, Data is king. It's no, cash is not king in the online environment. It's all about data. The more data that you get, the more expertise that you can lean on, the better equipped you're going to be to not only help prevent friendly fraud, but also help resolve and reduce overall fraud and chargebacks. And last but not least, a misconception of thinking or a layer you know, with, that trends will improve over time. So we've all seen this curve. This is called the sigmoid curve. And really, everything in life follows this curve. We start out with a learning phase, then we have a growth phase, and then, of course, we have a decline. So chargebacks should be doing this, right? Well, unfortunately, that's not the case. So what's actually happening here is what happens with any growing business. We're following the same curve. As soon as that change starts to decline, then evolution starts to pick up. And we have evolution, we have you know, renovation of what was, what was previously in the past, we have new technology, and what ends up happening is the path of, of, of that transition ends up morphing by a new breed of fraud. So we can see that the traditional type of fraud, all of our legacy systems, were well-equipped to handle chargeback growth in the past. But what's happening, chargebacks are continuing to grow because they have evolved. They're, they're, it's no longer a part of the same traditional curve that we were well-equipped to handle back in 2008. Today, the new focus for chargebacks is different. It, it requires a different take. It requires different data, different elements. But you can take control of it and get results. So chargebacks are, if you think, chargebacks can be like presents. The question is, how do you make the most of them? So first tip, make sure that you understand your chargeback data. So remember the graph that we went through first. You're on this treadmill. You have all this data. Most companies don't really pay attention to this data. 
It's in the chargeback closet. They close that closet. It's a total wreck. Eventually, when it starts opening, it's overflowing, then they have to get in there and handle what is good and what's bad. But just like things that you may hide in a closet or you have all this data, instead of figuring out how to run faster on that treadmill, instead, take a look at that data and understand what it means. Not only that, you need to make sure that you have all of the right data. Now, this is a very, very important part of the equation because we all know that, you're going, that the solution that you have is only as effective as the, the, the type of understanding that you have about the problem. So in other words, if you think that the problem is A, then you're going to have a solution that, that resolves a problem A. But what if your problem is B, C, and D? It only looks like A because you just don't have enough information. You really have to make sure that you aren't looking at the wrong data. In other words, you may have misinterpreted it. You aren't missing any relevant data because if you're missing data, it may completely change the way that things need to be in order to get a result. And at the end of the day, if you don't have all of the correct data, all the right data, you've interpreted it correct, you're going to have the wrong solution. Does that mean that you, are, that you failed? No, not really. It just means that you've identified the wrong problem. Learn from that. Make sure that you have all of the data. Make sure you have all of the correct data. And then you have the tools that you need to successfully address the problem. Tip number three, dispute invalid chargeback. So an invalid chargeback would be any type of chargeback that is filed where you as the merchant, you did everything correct. You shipped the product. You, you properly authenticated that customer. You, you, you delivered on everything that you promised, but then you got a chargeback. Chances are the customer never contacted you. You know what? Instead of thinking that this is just not fair and striking that off as a cost of doing business, instead take action. But make sure you stay professional. You read the regulations and you know all the rules. One secret to success in disputing invalid chargebacks is making sure that you are abiding by all of the guidelines and regulations. And these are very different depending on the card scheme or the card network, whether it's Visa, MasterCard, American Express, Discover, etc. Every single one is a little bit different and you have to follow those rules. Then you prepare a case. So now you've identified that a chargeback is invalid. You have to submit that paperwork on time, confirm that it arrived, make sure that you know all of your rights. If you're a digital merchant, you can absolutely dispute invalid chargebacks. If you have a chargeback for $1, you can even dispute that. There, there's a lot of rights that merchants have. Most merchants don't know. And ultimately, make sure that you submit a case with the goal of, service, of serving an ACE. You want to make sure that you are not getting a reject. You're not getting a second chargeback. You're, you're, not, you're going to, to give it all you've got and do a good job right out of the gate. I like to look at that as this way. It's the season to give back. So if we think of the, the present concept, really when you're disputing invalid chargebacks, then you're, you're giving feedback that's also just as valuable to the issuers or the cardholder's bank that's filing a chargeback. You, you can't expect you to have less chargebacks or to, to recover money if you don't take responsibility to set the record straight. These issuers need your feedback. Take the time to be responsible, give the feedback that is needed, and start tracking the results that you get.
So the fourth tip, this is the best tactic for fighting criminal fraud, and it's being productive, uh, being proactive rather about fraud prevention. So here's, here's some key tips, and I'm sure that Diana, when we get to our questions, we definitely want to want to pick her brain for some of these as well. But the first thing, make sure that if you have fraudulent behavior, that you're removing it. Um, this means uh, flagging it, uh, establishing a blacklist. More often than not, we find fraud engines, fraud filters, et cetera, these are all still managed by human operators. It's very important that you pay attention to the rules that you have in place and you aren't allowing repeat offenders to enter into your system. It, it happens so often that we just let these cardholders continue without making sure that we blacklist that card and prevent them from getting entry into, into your order management system or CMS. Be wary of new customers with large orders. Instead of celebrating that amazing order for $10,000 when your normal order is probably $200, really suspect that. Contact the customer. Make sure that you really drill into it and before you consider spending any money to fulfill that obligation. Watch for multiple transactions. So really this is even if the card holder is matched up and everything looks great, there's a new type of fraud that we really have to pay attention to. It's clean fraud. It looks and, and it behaves just like an, an accurate authorized uh, transaction. But there are certain patterns that these types of fraudsters will, will trigger, and you really want to be definitely on your toes for being able to detect some of these anomalies. Be cautious of multiple transactions that are shipped to different addresses. Even though it's the Christmas season, and this will be something that we definitely see more of, um, still, this, def this absolutely warrants a cautious eye. And just one quick tip that we've, that we've actually seen recently uh, is just the amount of fraud that we've seen increase from consumers that are or customers that are purchasing, uh, that are transacting online for an in-store pickup. Those types of orders have a very high propensity of turning into a chargeback. And most of the in-store pickups, they don't, they don't have a policy in place where you're verifying that that's the actual cardholder or that you know, the, the customer made an order online, now they're going to the store to pick up the merchandise, and you may find that the order online was with a totally different credit card, totally different address, and everything was absolutely correct, but it was a stolen card. Now the guy that's picking it up at his local store is, is a criminal. So make sure that you, know, you put in those precautions, you take a look at what's causing fraud, and, and you be more proactive about figuring out how to stop those loopholes. Keeping an eye on oversee orders through manual review process is always a great point. Setting velocity, velocity limits, blacklists, even whitelists. Determine if you have great history with specific customers or cardholders, you could put them onto a whitelist database as well to help improve your processes. And last but not least, when it comes to being proactive about fraud prevention, and this goes for chargebacks across the board, use a multi-layered approach. This means don't put all of your eggs in one basket. Don't consider that you know, there's only one resource that is going to do everything for you. Every resource out there may have an internal competency set in one specific area. You want to be able to layer that, just like with, 
glasses. <laughs> you know, if, if you look through if you look through rose-colored glasses and then yellow tinted glasses and then blue tinted glasses, you're going to see things a little bit different every time. Using a multi-layered approach is going to give you the very best results. Tip number five: monitor and adopt evolving standards. So we have to recognize that in terms of best practices, if you're an online merchant, best practice is something that is constantly going to evolve. And your, the difference between success and failure in terms of preventing fraud and chargebacks is going to be how quickly and how agile you can move to adapt to these standards. For example, Amazon. With Amazon's disruption in our environment, it's no longer good enough to adopt a policy that, that may seem completely compliant to ship out a product within two weeks if they order online. Because you know what? Today, a customer is expecting that product to be shipped within a couple days. There's new standards. We have to look at the competitive environment and understand what those standards are. For example, make sure that you reply to emails within 24 hours. Answer the phone within four rings. Provide a human-to-human -human engagement. And also, provide different contact methods. Lots of customers that buy products online, they may not want to call you, but they will reply to an email. They will go to a chat. Maybe they're going to visit your Facebook page. Also, if you're online, keep in mind, you are available to sell a product 24-7. Make sure that you also have support that is available that meets those expectations especially during the holiday season. And ultimately, evaluate your policies and procedures, specifically as it relates to holiday returns, any type of restocking fees. All of those things should be transparent and make sure that customers know what they can expect. This type of, this type of alert to the customer is definitely going to be, um, it, it's gonna help you prevent chargebacks and even refund fraud. So bottom line, chargebacks aren't only a cost of doing business. The goal here is to look at the chargeback as a rich data tool. This is something that gives you rich analytics. It, you can recover revenue from those illegitimate chargebacks. You can provide some great feedback to issuers to ultimately not only serve yourself, but help improve the industry. And you're really turning your liabilities into assets that can help improve your bottom line. This is recovering money, getting valuable insight, and ultimately creating more sustainability because you're using those mistakes to give you more insight that you can learn from. So last but not least, our holiday wish, and I'm sure everybody is on the same page with me when I say this, every friendly fraudster should get coal. <laughs> But in order to deliver this, we have to make sure that, that as retailers, as merchants, that you guys really take the next step to defend yourselves, you know, stand up for your rights, take on more of an offensive role in the chargeback scenario, and really make sure that, that you, know, you hone in on the tools and the, the, the utilities that you have available that are, that are right in front of you. You just need to be able to hone in take advantage of those resources, and, and take yourself to the next level. So just a little bit about us um, at, before we get to the questions here. So our entire program is, of course, developed entirely around chargebacks. We do everything from soup to nuts on chargebacks. 
um, we offer guaranteed ROI. Statistically, if you're a retail merchant, um, providing that, you know, if you keep all of the data, and, and keep in mind, a lot of people will ask us, hey, what is your current win rate? How much, how much can I, what can I expect to recover? This really has a lot of different variables. When it comes down to getting the most success in a chargeback solution, you have to make sure that you're capturing as much evidence as possible, and then you want to make sure that you're using a solution that, that gets all of that evidence, understands all of the rules, and really understands your business, how you operate, your culture, how you're different. Um, it, if you have a solution like that, then it should be more of a teamwork, where it's more of a partnership, um, not necessarily a, it, it, it needs to be more of an intimate relationship where it's not necessarily a vendor and a merchant. Keep in mind, we, you have to work at this problem together. The more that you can team up um, with, with, with experts, whether it's us, whether it's others, um, this is going to be a great avenue for success. So we should have we should have some time for questions, hopefully. So I'm actually going to turn it over to so we we introduced Carolyn and Diana. So I'll turn it over to you, DJ, so we can um, get some answer some questions from the audience. Great, great. Thank you, Monica, and thank you for your presentation. That was some really really good information. So we want to bring Carolyn and Diana uh, into the conversation right now. We have a ton of questions. I just wanted to mention that if you did want to ask questions, you should be you should see the question the area to do that uh, on your control panel at the right side of your screen. Feel free to ask them. We're going to uh, take probably about 15 minutes. If we don't get to your question, we will uh, someone will answer your question offline. And I also wanted to mention that if you missed any part of the presentation, um, anybody that registered will get an email to access a recording when that recording becomes available. That should be in a day or two, but you will get an email uh, telling you how to access that, uh, that information on cardnotpresent.com. It will also be available on Chargebacks 911's website as well. So we do have some great questions. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, to, uh, get to them right now. Um, the first one is for Carolyn. So Carolyn, I heard hey, somewhere. Uh, th hi, thanks for joining us. And Carolyn, by the way, is joining us from uh, uh, from Ireland, so uh, she has a, a great European perspective uh, on on any of the uh, the topics that we've been talking about today. And this attendee says, I heard somewhere that Visa and MasterCard were working on getting rid of chargebacks entirely over the next few months. Is this true? Right, indeed. Hello, everyone. Um, well, I'd like to receive a present and not a piece of coal um, in my stocking this year, so I'm going to be really good and nice and say that, indeed, this is not true. Um, it would be great, wouldn't it, if it was true, but unfortunately it isn't. There is a great deal of work going on right now um, in the Visa and MasterCard world to make sure that merchants are given the opportunity to respond to those chargebacks which are incorrect and invalid. So whilst Visa and MasterCard are doing that and changing the face of the chargeback picture to make sure that merchants can respond more positively and get that chargeback dealt with in a, a quicker, more efficient way, um, Visa and MasterCard are not getting rid of chargebacks entirely in the next few months. There's going to be big changes in their rule sets and what you're allowed to do and how you can do it so that the merchant gets the chargeback back to the issuer where it belongs. So many merchants are under the misunderstanding um, that there should be a refund of a transaction in advance of the chargeback because that would probably prevent the chargeback from happening. And this can help in the very short term. So when a consumer's got an issue, they're contacting the merchant, 
they can certainly say, look, I'm due a refund here. And if the consumer and the merchant agree, yes, okay, a refund is the answer here, then that refund can be made. And then that will prevent the chargebacks from happening in many cases. So that's a good answer if it's dealt with consumer to merchant upfront in the very beginning. But otherwise, the best policy is to make sure the merchant has all the information they need, collect all that information together, and deal with that disputed transaction if you receive it as a chargeback with all the correct data and as quickly as you possibly can. So merchants need to stand up for their themselves, set the record straight, especially if, the, if you've been wrongly accused of committing fraud. So in this friendly fraud situation, if the consumer themselves is uh, spending regularly with you and, and so on and just doesn't recognize what they're spending or somebody else in the family has been spending it, then you really need to take the focus off the fraud from yourself and onto the consumer. So the quicker you can do that, the better. But um, just to finalize that, that point, if there are any questions at all in regard to the payment scheme rules, the MasterCard and Visa rules, we have some great people who specialize in this particular area. So please feel free to contact us if there are any questions on this going forward. All right, great. Thank you. So, yeah, thank you so much, Carolyn. That, that's great. We're going to bring Diana in now. Um, uh, Diana is the e-commerce fraud lead for Finish Line. We really wanted to get uh, some some uh, input and uh, feedback from actual merchants and what they've been going through. Diana, there was a, a question that said there's a lot of discussion about the impact of Black Friday and Cyber Monday on fraud. Um, what exactly did you see in the you know in the recently completed fraud weekend, and uh, and how does that um, what areas have caused the most concern vis-a-vis uh, -vis risk for you in the holidays during the holiday season? Yes. Hi, DJ. Thank you very much for having me. Um, as any other merchants out there, or at least most of the merchants, we've been preparing for this holiday season probably for the past 12 months or since the last Cyber Monday. So we have been planning strategically around making sure that all of the fraud is um, monitored and um, mitigated. But um, what creates very unique position for our company is that not only that we are facing um, straight up fraud, we also have um, product launches and new product releases around the same time, which drives a very, very high sales volume to our site. That puts us in a very unique position that we have to make the right decision and we really have to make it fast. So not just from the perspective of this, these items being lim limited in units and uh, very desirable in the market out there that fraudsters can possibly resell these products for very high prices, but also from the inventory control management where we have to make sure that if product is not sold, that it can be available for our next customer or for our good customer. So what we have seen uh, around this time frame, we were kind of expecting proportional increase in the fraud, but it's a very interesting trend besides just the account takeover. Um, some gift card fraud that we've seen, which is a typical fraud around this time of the year, and also individual fraud cases. We haven't seen too many of the fraud ring attempts around these days, around Black Friday, Black Friday weekend, and Cyber Monday. Um, there are some loyalty program attempts abuse and some coupon abuse, but that's something that is really typical throughout the year, so it's nothing unusual. But what is very unusual and what we have seen is that majority of our fraud attempts increased after the Cyber Monday. So I think fraudsters are getting smarter as we are expecting they are, is that they knew that we were watching on Black Friday, that we we're probably focusing 110% of our attention to, to the sales and to the monitoring. Majority of our fraud increased on Tuesday afternoon. Wednesday afternoon was the peak, and then Thursday we had some increased fraud, not just individual fraud attempts, but fraud rings as well. So uh, proportionally, we really had um, an increase in these attempts 
after the holidays. So I think they're probably expecting that we're not focusing our attention afterwards and not focusing our attention anymore on these high sales days, uh, on any other days but high sales days. They're trying to find loopholes or maybe the times when we are not watching. Of course, we are continuously watching. So um, it was a really interesting trend. And now looking back from the past, for the past several months, we, having, we have seen those type of trends around the regular days. Typically in the past, we would see an increase around the weekend, uh, but now we are seeing them more on Thursdays and Fridays, which is a little bit more specific than, um, than maybe expected, but um, it was really interesting for us not to see more attempts on the actual sales days. So our, our concern was just to make sure that we do have this attention, that we do have focus on monitoring all the time, and again, that we do make the right decision and make it fast. That's that's really interesting. I I I, uh, I wonder if, if other retailers out there have seen that, and uh, if if you have, uh, and uh, and others who who may not have recognized it will know to prepare for that. That's really great. Uh, the next question is: Is it true that I can get chargebacks for transactions that I refunded, and if so, why? Um, Carolyn, you want to take this one? Sure. Thanks, DJ. I will. So indeed, um, can I get chargebacks for transactions I refunded? So. The answer, the quick answer to that is yes. And having spent 20 years at Mastercard before joining Chargebacks 911, I got the opportunity to go around and look at the issuers' operations around the world and see what they were doing. So why were you getting refunds, uh, doing refunds and then receiving chargebacks? Well, very often because when the consumer contacts the call center for the issuer, they won't necessarily at the call center point ask for all the right questions and all the, um, the talk through of the issue. So what's going on? What's happened? Why are you looking for a chargeback here, etc.? And also, the operators in the issuing side who are taking those calls don't necessarily check whether there has been a refund or not. Now, it's, it's in everybody's interest that they do that, and some good issuers do. But if they don't, if the issuer doesn't, then they will easily generate a chargeback for a transaction without checking that there's been a refund already. So human beings are involved. Consumers who don't know the process are involved. The issuers have a call center environment that they're involved before the chargeback team becomes involved, and sometimes that just doesn't connect right. And there's very many manual processes involved, and it can be difficult to actually track the disputed transaction against a refund and see the two together. So if that happens, you're going to receive a chargeback for something that, as a merchant, you will have refunded already. So it's very quick that you, very important that you quickly file a second presentment or re-presentment to the issuer to prove your case, to prove that you have already refunded. And it's very important to take that step because if you do nothing at all, then the customer, the consumer, will end up with two refunds. And that becomes very enticing to go back and get another refund on another transaction and then get another charge back and so on and so on. It serves no one to have that happen. So if it does happen, and it will because it's very human-based, human error-based, the issuers will make a charge back where a refund has been provided already and as a merchant, the only thing you can do is do a representment to make sure that you prove your case and get that refund refunded to you, so that you, the merchant, are whole at the end. And that's very, very important. So we're talking to issuers constantly at Chargebacks 911 about this and how they must improve their process. It's equally important that merchants improve their process and to get that money back if you've refunded and received a chargeback. Okay, fantastic. Uh, we've had several questions come in about uh, the, the changes that uh, folks are expecting in 2018. Um, Diana, I just wanted to get your uh, uh, 
take on what kind of changes you expect uh, in terms of chargebacks. And also, several people have asked about uh, about Visa's uh, new program, uh, and any anyone can weigh in on that. But uh, sort of new things coming in 2018. So as far as any changes in chargebacks from the merchant perspective, a typical industry standard is 60 to 40, 60 percent being uh, fraud, which Monica referred to as a or identified as a criminal fraud chargebacks, and then 40 percent as a friendly fraud, or we call them a non-fraud chargebacks. Uh, we are expecting a shift in this ratio because typically around holiday season there is an increase in uh, merchandise not delivered, chargebacks, credit not posted, refund not issued, and so on. And uh, typically around holiday season this ratio does change. So what merchants can do in order to uh, make sure they manage this is just make sure they prepare relevant information, they communicate with their chargeback representing vendor, share this information, make sure information is easily, easily ready and accessible. But additional thing that we do um, as a merchant, we learn from our chargebacks in the past. So if we use the information we receive from our chargeback company, as well as the information we have within our company. We, for example, do track every fraud call that comes to us. We also do track all of our fraud alerts. We are talking and leveraging information we receive from our cybersecurity team to make sure we prepare everything that we possibly can in the case of changing any processes within our company to make sure we prevent these chargebacks from happening in the first place, and then all the way to making sure we have compelling evidence to fight this, fight this chargeback if it comes through. So it is very important to keep the information, as Monica mentioned in her, in her um, presentation, to make sure you do have right data and to make sure that you are looking at this data. So we are continuously using this information to make changes and modifications in our fraud screening rules as far as business rules and, as I said, change, changes in internal processes. One of the things that is very important, and I know the merchants are continuously striving to have this, is that communication is very clear to the consumer. So make sure the website does state what is the refund policy, what is the return policy, if there is a final sales. So make sure that that information is available and probably avail available several times throughout the checkout process. That could be one of the pieces, one piece of the information that is used for the representment, as well as Monica mentioned, making sure that you have that delivery confirmation as well. So as I said, we're expecting that shift, but we are definitely getting ready to make sure that we address any concerns that we have. All right, thanks. Can I and mention, in, in addition, on the visa yeah. point, if I'm not... Yes, please do. In regard to the visa question, so what is changing at Visa, it's really the same um, question for what is changing with MasterCard. So there's a, a great deal of change going to be going on in 2018 with the chargeback process for both of those payment schemes. And what I would say, a quick answer to that is that we're going to be doing some webinars going forward that describe the uh, activities and what's going to be changing, how it's going to look, what merchants should do about it um, in 2018. So keep an eye out for those webinars because they will go into specifics of what those changes are and what what's going to, how's it going to affect you as we move forward? Okay. Um, I'll, I'll chime in um, just quickly on that point because I saw another question came up on my chat. Um, right. So, you know, just as a very, very high level and, and keeping in mind that, you know, these changes are constantly evolving as well as, as they often do with the schemes. Um, but for merchants, you know, the thing that, that we're seeing as absolutely inevitable, the time span um, to be able to dispute a chargeback is definitely being shortened, and that's going to be shortened pretty substantial. So if you, and 
and there's going to be more and more pressure to make sure that you're disputing invalid chargebacks. Um, I think at the end of the day, which is great news for merchants and for the whole industry, um, definitely the schemes are listening to the fact and they're noticing, you know, without getting enough data back from the merchants to expose some of these invalid claims um, and illegitimate chargebacks, then we're never going to stop this vicious circle. Um, unfortunately, that means merchants are going to be under a little bit of pressure to make sure that they have all of their data um, collected, uh, ready to, to, uh, to submit, and, and that they have stayed up to date with all of the rules. Um, but like Carolyn said, we're going to please tune in for, for more in, of an in-depth view so that we can walk through all of those, the chain reaction process uh, for each card scheme, just so that you know you're you're getting into the new year with eyes wide open, and you know exactly what to expect. Yeah, this is going to be a this is going to be a very big issue going into the new year. Um, I I know we will be covering it extensively on cardnotpresent.com as as uh, as soon as we can get uh, you know as much information as we can about the changes that uh, that are going to take place, and uh, we will definitely cover it uh, now and at our event the CNP Expo in May, uh, which is uh, available right now for you to register for at, at cnpexpo.com. Um, all right, we have just passed the 15-minute uh, the, the mark on questions, so we are going to stop there. I could end up taking questions all afternoon. There's been a lot of great ones. Uh, just know that we will, uh, we will look at all those questions, and, and uh, folks will get back to you on a uh, uh, offline uh, to take care of some of, of the other questions that have been asked. Um, as I mentioned before, the recording will be available um, on cardnotpresent.com and Chargebacks 911's website. Uh, that will be in the next day or so. You will receive uh, an email telling you how you can access that. I want to thank so much uh, Monica, Carolyn, and Diana for joining us today. Uh, a lot of great discussion. There's a lot of, like I said, the merchants out there uh, are, are really thirsty for knowledge on this, and you can, you can see by the amount of people that have taken time out of their day uh, on a day like today in a season like this to attend this webinar. So, Please look uh, for more uh, webinars from Chargeback 911 and from CardNotPresent.com in the future, and uh, we will see you next time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye.